Some of the little ones are going to go downstairs, which is neat. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the shelf of your heart, and uh, we're going to keep talking about that this morning. We explored this idea that your, your heart has shelves on it, and that we've got various things that sit on that shelf. And we talked about the times we're living in, and numbing devices, and ungrieved grief, the wonderful fragility of life, and why losing control is fabulous, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, so I want to briefly kind of remind you of a couple of things, and then talk a bit more about it, but guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, obviously when the biblical writers wrote, they quite clearly had no idea of what we call modern psychology. So let me just say what I mean when I say heart. The biblical writers and Jesus, when they talk about heart, they understood the heart to put it simply, to be the center of your being. So biblically, your heart integrates all the ways we know and experience things. It's where you feel things and where you sense things. And that's a different place to your mind, because your mind is the place where you process things, and the heart is the place where you feel things. Can you... It's not working, mate. You fix it for me. There we go, will it? No, you, you'll have to move it on for me. Uh, so next one, your mind is where you think and your heart is where you feel, okay? So when we're talking about heart, we're not talking about how you think about certain things, we're talking about how you actually feel about certain things. Your mind is where you examine and judge and come up with what you think about a certain thing, but your heart is where you feel about that something. And, and your heart is a bit like this bookshelf, okay? It has shelves on it, if you like, where you store things that you have felt and you've stored your responses. And they sit there side by side. Uh, everything that you go through, uh, you store it up. And you might be aware of some of it, you might not, but the truth of being human is that you have felt some things and experienced some things and you have responded to some things and those things sit in your heart. And... Um, I spent some time uh, two weeks ago just highlighting the world we're now living in. I acknowledge that it's not an easy time to be alive for all sorts of reasons. And there are many valid reasons why your heart might feel heavy or tired or weary. And that's just nationally and globally, let alone what's going on for you and your family. Um, I think there's a deep sense in many people of weariness, tiredness, definitely a sense of mental confusion and inability to make sense of the world. I don't know about you, but more and more I look and I just cannot compute what goes on or why it goes on or why people do certain things or this or that or the other. And I think that's common. So if you're feeling like that, that's okay. Uh, that is kind of where we're at right now. But that's why this scripture is so important because it talks about guarding your heart above all else. And you remember we said that uh, we talked about numbing devices because our natural reaction to these things, which are heavy, is to just numb them. It's to pretend that they're not there. It's to uh, kind of... Uh, nothing in us wants to actually deal with and process pain generally, so most of us numb it. And my goodness, the ways to numb it is endless. Think of all the things you can buy, put in your body, put in front of your eyes. All the ways you can avoid having to actually feel what's rising up on the inside of you. 
And so it is a challenge. And the reason, by the way, we reach for those numbing devices is because, if you've got the next slide, almost everything, almost everyone has what we call ungrieved grief on the shelf of their hair. Nearly everybody has got things that they've gone through, that they've experienced, that have not actually processed. And grief's a process, and any loss, any pain has got to be grieved and processed. If you are going to be an emotionally and spiritually healthy person, you've got to learn to grieve. And most people have never been taught to grieve anything, and it's why we've got lots of emotionally unhealthy people, because they've never learned how to grieve what they've lost, or what they've been through. Nobody's ever taught them. And um, the reason why guarding your heart is so important is this. It's because, next slide, you see everything through the eyes of your heart. So what's in your heart affects how you see everything. And everything that sits in your heart affects how you see everything. That's why it's really important that you guard it. Because ideally, you want this bookshelf to be completely empty. You don't want anything that's heavy that's happened to sit on your heart. But you're a human being, so that is not the situation right now, and it is a continual process of dealing with your heart. The problem is, if this is pain and grief and loss and rejection and disappointment and lack, then what happens is you literally see life through this lens. So you see it through this lens of pain and grief and loss and disappointment, and then, of course, it determines the course of your life. It doesn't matter how blessed you are, how many wonderful people you have around you. If your heart is still full of the pain of previous broken relationships, you will struggle to see them through any other way. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If your heart is still full of the fear of loss from your past, you'll never feel wealthy enough. And so the examples could go on because guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And I have seen this time and time again that the course of people's lives is led by the state of their hearts. It's not led by anything external. It just isn't. Despite everything our culture tells you, and every advert tells you, it simply is not true that anything external guards the course of your life. It is your heart. Which is why guarding your heart above all else is so important. Okay, so, how do we actually guard our heart? How do we... These things that are sat on it, how do we actually take it off and and deal with it? Well, there's four steps. So, uh, have you got on there, Luke? Uh, First of all, we've got to acknowledge there's actually a shelf. Then we're going to look at the shelf. Then we've got to work out what he's dealing with now. And then we've got to take it, sit with it, and give it. And I want to just walk you through each of these steps because actually... Some people have got to just, first of all, acknowledge there's an actual shelf. We've got to actually acknowledge that there is a shelf in your heart and there may well be some things weighing you down. Could it be possible that your heart is heavy? Could it be possible when you sit and think about it that your heart is actually heavy if you allowed yourself to sit there? Could it be possible that even if you've led an incredibly blessed, trauma and trouble-free life, look at you, please tell me how you did that, that the last few years of itself have affected you in some way? Could it be that the fear that's been unleashed on our nation over the last few years has deeply impacted you? Because it has, whether you think it has or not. Because the truth is that fear has been used as a weapon in the last few years, and there's been an unleashing of fear all around us. 
And, and that's not my opinion. It, it's what other people have said. So it was called Project Fear when it got to Brexit. That was what it's called. So there was an unleashing of fear. And then there are government minutes that say psychologists sat down and went to deal with COVID. This is what we will do. And they used fear. That's, again, it's just a fact. You can read the minutes of government meet meetings that said this is what we did. Now, whatever you think about that, it unleashed a whole load of fear on our nation. The result of that, of that tidal wave of fear, has not receded. It's not like a tidal wave that goes and comes back, it just comes. And the level of fear that has been unleashed in our nation is higher than it's ever been. We're living in a time with more fear in the world than ever, which has hugely infected many people. There is a reason why mental health is now one of the number one issues in our world. Because if you subject people to that much fear, their mental health will suffer. So fear now is much closer to the surface in almost all our lives, whether you feel it or not and whether you're aware of it or not, but there are the after effects of it. This is one of the after effects. It takes less than it used to to push people over the edge from fear into torment because we're already up here with it. So when, when people used to be able to deal with certain things, now they can't because the, 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 say, say the fear level was here and then something happened so it went to here and they just about managed to cope with it. But because here's the starting point, now it tips them over the edge. Fears arise more easily and are seen to be more powerful. I'm seeing people, and, and there's also the irrationality of them, but yet the sense of reality is like way beyond what we've seen before. It's incredible. I share this with you because I know, and, and for what I know, I can extrapolate it out, I know there are many people who are struggling with fears right now that they thought they'd dealt with. Fears that they don't really understand why they're struggling with them now, but they can't deny the reality of them. Things that they thought I'd dealt with that, and suddenly it's come back and it's there. Why is that? Because fear is much nearer the surface now and much harder to deal with. And our heart is heavy with them. But of course, you have to first acknowledge that. Or you can go, no, that's a lot of nonsense. I don't believe it. Okay, well, that's fine. But you won't be able to deal with what is on the shelf of your heart if you're not going to acknowledge it, first of all. And it may be for some people, that's all you need to hear today. You're at that stage of acknowledging to yourself, and probably to somebody else, which is always helpful, that your heart is heavy. If you're already aware that your heart's heavy, then we've got to go to the next step. But the first thing is, okay, no, there are some things that are weighing my heart down. Have we got the next one? Oh, he's on it. Look at that. So, you've got to acknowledge it. Then you've got to actually have a look at it. And see what's on there. John 11, 17 and 21. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is the story of uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha say, Lazarus is dying. Jesus comes. Jesus turns up. He's already been dead four days. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What's her first response? Listen, her heart's heavy. And her first response is, this, you shouldn't be this way. You could have fixed it. It could be different. What about this? What about that? What about the other? Okay, unhelpful response. Natural, human, normal, and completely unhelpful. Because our first response is to wish the situation was different, to lash out, to blame somebody else for the situation. No doubt in her own head she's going through all the should, would, could arguments that we all go through. That's what we all do when our hearts are heavy, but it doesn't help us and it doesn't lead us anywhere good. John 11:38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, 
by this time there is a bad odor for he's been here four days. You see, the only helpful thing is to acknowledge the reality of the situation, stench and all. Which is what Jesus did and what Martha didn't do. You see, one of the issues is most people struggle with looking at the shelf of the heart because they have no grace for themselves. They have no grace for themselves. They look and they know that perhaps in some cases they are responsible in some way for the pain and heartache they see. Uh, but that's where we need to remember that you're dealing with your heart and your mind's got to take a back seat. Your mind is where you examine and judge and come up with what you think about a certain thing, but your heart is where you feel something about that thing. So when you're examining your heart, the last thing you need is your mind judging you because you feel a certain way or aggrieved a certain way. So we look at it and we go, oh yeah, this, this happened. Oh, and I wish I hadn't done that and I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done the other. Okay, none of it's helpful. It's completely human and completely unhelpful because listen, it's there on the shelf. And you are pining about it and telling yourself you shouldn't, could, would, should, if this had been different, that had been different. Does it do anything to the thing on the shelf? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. What often happens is we never actually deal with our heart because we get so wrapped in our minds that we judge and condemn ourselves because of the state of our heart. I've seen it all the time. I've gone through it. We, we dare to look at it. And then we go, oh, that shouldn't be there. If I were a proper Christian, that wouldn't be there. If I'd done this, that wouldn't be there. If this hadn't happened, that wouldn't be there. Okay, yeah, but it's still there and you've not done anything about it yet. All you did was waste a ton of time. Now, honestly, that's what we do. We feel we shouldn't be this way, or we should know better, or further on, or that if only X, Y, and Z had happened, it would be different. We use hindsight to beat ourselves up, as we wish we'd made better choices. But here's the thing. None of it helps your heart. What helps your heart is when you come to a place of acceptance that your heart is in the place it is, and the shelves of your heart are holding what they are holding. What helps your heart is when you come to a place of acceptance that your heart is in the place it is, and the shelves of your heart are holding what they are holding. In the story of Lazarus, no healing takes place until they look and accept the present reality. The same is true of your heart. But you have to do that without allowing yourself to judge yourself and be so harsh on yourself. Stop beating yourself up about the state of your heart. Honestly, stop beating yourself up about it. Most people's healing journey takes a lot longer than it could do. Not because they're not committed or they don't want to be healed, but because they spend so much time judging and condemning themselves for the state of their heart, and then they have to process the judgment and condemnation they put on themselves before they can even get to the heart. <coughs> Jesus does not condemn you, nor does he judge you for the state of your heart. Jesus does not look at your heart and think any thoughts of judgment or condemnation or anything like that at all. Whether the shelves of your heart, you feel like they're at a breaking point and about to come crashing down, or whether there's a, just a couple of lightweight things on there, there is nothing from Jesus in terms of judgment or condemnation about what's on there. It doesn't exist. Listen, one of the ways you love yourself and care for yourself is you have grace for yourself. Jesus has got grace for you. The biggest blockage to most people's healing journey is that they don't have grace for themselves. It's a mark of maturity. When you're able to accept yourself, accept the weight of your heart, 
and accept as it is, you are becoming emotionally mature and spiritually mature. You're learning self-compassion and self-grace, which is a beautiful thing. But listen, we've got to look at our own hearts through the lens of Jesus. Of course, we're our harshest critics because we know our own responses and actions. We know what we did. We know what's in our hearts. And perhaps that's led to some of those weights. But listen, Jesus knows all about it too. He knows exactly all about it too. He knows all about your heart, all about your choices, all about the decisions, all the part you did play or didn't play. And despite knowing all that, he does not judge or condemn you. So when you choose to judge and condemn yourself, you're basically going, Jesus, you're wrong and I'm right. That's not a clever way to find life. It don't work like that. But that's what you're doing. You're going, Jesus, you're wrong about me and I'm right about me. But whilst you remain in that place, Jesus can't do anything. The way to find the life Jesus offers is to acknowledge that maybe he's right and you're wrong and repent of the fact that you have to beat yourself up because you don't because he already got beaten up for you. That's the whole point of the cross. He got beaten up for you. He got destroyed for you. He got broken for you. So why are you breaking yourself all over again making a mockery of what he did? No, really. He was broken for you. So you don't have to break yourself. One of the biggest stumbling blocks for most people searching for their healing is this ability to not judge the state of your heart by accepting as it is. Listen. This is a picture of your heart. And there's no judgment. There's no conduct. There's, no, there's nothing. There's just, okay, that's my heart. That's it. But of course we get in our minds. No, get out of your mind. You don't need your mind right now. Not for this. You don't need to judge your own opinion about it. And you definitely don't need to beat yourself up for it. And then, of course, the next thing we've got to do, once we've seen it, looked at it, we've got to work out what needs dealing with now. Okay. Because for some people, when they look at the shelf of the heart, the first feeling is one of being frustrated. Because they know there are things there, but they can't identify it, or it's all very fuzzy and clear. It feels heavy, but they can't kind of name it. Well, okay. Listen, well done for getting this far. Great. That's fantastic. But if that's you, then why don't you, just as Paul said, you know, we've got to take some time, face-to-face time with him. Okay, well, you can sit with him and ask him, Lord, I know there's something on my heart, but I don't know what it is. It's not like he's going to play hide-and-seek with you. I mean, he wants to tell you. He wants to share it with you. He wants to let you know. Take a pen and paper, invite Jesus to show you the shelf of that, and then listen, then you just write down what you start thinking about. And then you deal with that. No, really, it's that simple. All right? You don't, have to, you don't have to take seven times communion and three times this and that. Just sit with him and go, what's on my heart, Lord? And start writing. And whatever you write, deal with that. I can almost guarantee you Jesus will have just spoken to you. And for some people, you might have to talk, you know, there's some, ask yourself some simple questions. How do I feel about family, friends, home, finances, health, job, whatever? How do I feel about... And just list all the spheres of your life. You'll find some up pretty quick if you just give yourself some time and space. But here's the thing. Because the other, the other side of this is we write a list and we write all these spheres of our life and then we write all these things about all these spheres and we go, okay, well, just take one then. Just take one. 
Some people look and they, be, they, they, they feel so overwhelmed that there's so much there. But listen. So, so they go, I can't. It's too much. It's too much. I can't cope. So then they turn their back and run away. But listen. Listen. It's already there. And it's already affecting you. Everything that sits on the shelf of your heart is already impacting your life in a negative way. Ignorance, when it comes to your heart, is not bliss. Ignorance is continued pain and heartache. And listen, you are more resilient and more stronger than you think. And Jesus knows what you are capable of dealing with. So of course, there might be all these things. Okay, well, we talked to you. Which one are we going to deal with? Well, let's just pick one then. Okay, we'll deal with this one. We'll sort it out. There we go. Heart's lighter. Then we go back. Oh, let's deal with another one. It's not complicated, is it? But so much of the time we sit there and we feel frustrated or overwhelmed and then we just don't do anything about it. Let's at least be doing something about it. Now, if you've been bold enough and brave enough to acknowledge it, look at it, and then ask what needs dealing with, let's say you become aware of some something that's on the shelf of your heart, something that your heart's heavy about. It could be a disappointment, a grief at what did happen, a grief at what didn't happen, pain from that relationship, rejection from this, whatever it may be. And it doesn't have to be a major trauma. I remember um, probably a year or so ago now, Faye and I had, uh, I think we were out for the day, and we were talking about our care, because we have a seven-seater care, because we had four kids. Well, we do have four kids. Um, and I remember Faye going, we, we can change that car now. We can get rid of it. And I, like, started crying. I didn't realize I loved the car so much. Um, and I was like, what the heck is that? Why, why am I so attached to this flipping car? And of course, I wasn't attached to the car. What I was attached to was that that season in life had gone. I didn't need a seven-seater now because the four kids were not going to get in the car anymore and we weren't going to go out on day trips together. Which, to be honest, were quite stressful at times, so I don't know why I worried about it. But, but, but things like that weigh heavy on your heart. Just going through life weighs heavy on your heart. You know, hopefully, if Isaac's done well in his exams, he'll be off to university in a few weeks' time. And another of my kids are left home. Well, guess what? That'll weigh heavy on my heart. And there's different stuff at different stages in life. So it's not that some major trauma happened. No, just life happened. Am, am I overjoyed? He's going to go and do it once to Of course, I'm delighted. Am I also deeply pained? Yes, of course I am. But this is, so this is just, this is not like, oh, I had this major trauma when I was little. No, no, life causes your heart to be heavy. Just life causes it. So the first thing we've got to do, of course, so let's take this as an example, okay? Okay, I've got this pain because my family's changing. It's been different now. Well, first of all, you have to literally go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. And then, then you have to actually sit with it, Okay. Because this is what most people want to do. Okay. They want to go. There we go. I've dealt with it now. It's all right. Because who, who wants to sit with it and look at it? Nobody wants to sit with it and look at it. But listen. You have to sit with it. I'm going to move this so that I can see you all. There's a There's a reason. There's a reason you have to sit with it, okay? Because we have to give ourselves some time to consider what we actually feel about it. 
And again, you might need somebody else to help you through this, or you might be able to just do it on your own with Jesus if this is something you used to. But, but at this time, we're not asking what we think about it, but what we feel about it. Okay, so I, what do I feel about this? Well, I feel, I feel, you know, in terms of Joshua leaving and all that, well, I, and, and Isaac, well, I feel blessed because they're, they're going out into the world and they've achieved fantastic results in their air levels. And, but then I feel like my family's never going to be the same again. And that's painful. But I have to sit with it for a little while to ponder it and allow myself to actually feel it. So if you want a tool for that, have you got that next one, Luke? This uh, emotions wheel, have you got that there? So this is a great little tool. Look, some people that don't really know what they're thinking about, and I've shared this with you before, but if you're not very good at tuning in, you, it's a great little tool. I'll put it on the weekly on Monday to just go, okay, what, what do I feel? Because some people are not very good at identifying it, but, but you've got to give yourself space to feel it. And of course, you've got to be sensible at this, because... If you're not very good at managing your emotions and you've got a history of destructive behavior, then you probably do it with somebody else, okay, to help you with it and help you through it. But, but here's the thing. Some people think that you've got to kind of immediately stop yourself feeling things and repent of it and replace it with God's truth straight away. But, but actually, there's a step in between that. There is a step in between it because, after all, your emotions are just information. That's what your emotions are, the information. And so, what's vital is that you learn how to act on those things. But your, your emotions are feedback, okay? Helpful feedback on you. And emotionally healthy and mature people are those who allow themselves to listen to this feedback and then react in a healthy way. So this is why just grabbing it and chucking it is not a good idea. You've, you've learned nothing. All right, you've cleared a bit of your heart out, but you've learned nothing. Well, as soon as... A trigger happens, that's just going to happen again, and you're going to be there again. But actually, what people do is, the, the, the wiser people, they actually hold it, and they go, okay, I'm going to allow myself to sit with it. Now, that's a brave thing to do, because you don't want to sit with it. But as you sit with it, you can go, okay, there might be some valuable information in here that I can grow and learn from. So, the card at the moment... I either have no fan or Arctic Gale fan. It works on, it don't work on not one, two, three, and you put it on four and it's boom. And I took it to the, the mechanic man, it's booked in for Monday, and he says, uh, he says oh, I'll be your resistor pack. I said, okay, very good, that's fantastic. And then he said, ooh, and I'm like, that's not a good sign, is it? But anyways, but he said, but we need to work out why your resistor pack's blown, because... Basically, something's caused those resistors to blow. And so we need to work that out, because I can just put a new resistor pack on, but if I do that, it'll just blow again, and you'll be back here, and you'll keep putting this resistor pack on. Okay, your emotions are just like that resistor pack, okay? Something just blew. Something just went, okay? But if you don't sit with it and work out why it went, you're going to keep having it again. It's just like me going, oh, yeah, put a resistor pack on. Great, 100 quid, fabulous. Next week, resistor's gone again. Oh, put a new one on, 100 quid again. But you do that with your heart all the time. Unless you learn to sit with it and go, why has this happened now? And that can be one of two reasons. You see, it could have gone because you've seen something that's a not kingdom thing that should be a kingdom thing, and that's upset you. Well, that's fantastic. But you have to learn how to manage that. 
Or it could be that something's happened that's just pricked something in you that's not a kingdom thing that needs dealing with. Well, you've got to deal with that. But sitting with it allows you to actually work out what the heck's going on with you. Because your emotions are these information streams that are coming to you all the time. And listen, you do not need to repent because of how you feel. Okay? You don't. Now, what you do with those feelings, you might need to repent of. But they're just, it's just an information stream all the time. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, so there's no wrong with being angry then. It's just what I do with my anger. So, so all your emotions that are going on, all the pain you're feeling, that's okay. You're a human being. God gave you them to feel something, to tell you something about you. I, I don't repent for how I feel. Now, if I feel angry and I go and put my fist through a wall, I probably need to repent of that. Well, I do. Or if I feel sad and down and I just turn to my numbing devices instead of Jesus, well, yeah, I need to repent for that. But I don't need to repent for how I feel about anything. Listen. You've got to allow yourself to feel what you feel. And we've got to allow other people to feel what we feel. Sometimes we want to fix it so quick we don't actually let people feel what they need to feel. We want to make it better. But if you don't allow people to feel it sometimes, they're never going to learn. So you've got to allow yourself to feel what you feel. That, that may not be very much at all, and that's okay. You may not feel very strongly about what's in your heart. That's okay. And listen, it will be different for every single person. That's okay too. Stop assuming that because you feel a certain way about a certain thing, the whole world should feel the same way. They don't because they're not you. That's the way the world's designed. That's fantastic. What breaks your heart, don't break my heart. And what breaks my heart, don't break your heart. That's beautiful. Don't get upset about it. Just glory in it and delight in it that somewhere in the world, somebody's heart's breaking for what God's heart breaks. For what God, whatever that means. Okay. We're coming in a close. Once you've taken it and sat with it for a short while, I would highly recommend you write it down. This is hugely helpful for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's really helpful to have a record of what you have taken off your shelf and processed. So it's beautiful to look back and go, okay, I've done that now. Secondly, it often brings clarity and something happens psychologically when you can not only speak something but also write something and read it back. Your brain makes connections with the rest of your body that simply don't happen when you just speak it. Psychologically, that's true. When you write it, connections happen in your body and your brain that don't happen when you just say it. That's why it's so powerful. Then you're ready to give it. So you've taken it, you've sat with it, now you're ready to give it. And it's really, really simple to give it to Jesus. Okay? We just say a really simple prayer. Have we got it there? I acknowledge that I feel about, I thank you that you watch over my heart and have borne all my pain. I give whatever it is to you, and I choose to take it off the shelf of my heart and give it into your hands. I release the weight of it to you, knowing you've already paid the price of it. Amen. It's that simple. But here's the thing, you see. I, I realized as I was writing this, so every Thursday I take time to go sit in a coffee shop and journal. And I realized as I was doing this that really what I was doing, I was setting time aside in my diary to guard my heart every week. So every week, I sit down and guard my heart. When was the last time you guarded your heart? 
When was the last time you gave time over to sit with him and work it out? Now, I, I write it all out because I'm a writer. I like writing. I love words. And that's not the right way to do it. It's my way to do it, but it's a way that works. But every week, I give time to guard my heart. And even though I give every week to guard my heart, my heart's still heavy. Because I don't always manage to process it all. I don't always manage to understand it all. But I give myself time and space. It's not like I'm like, whoa, we're going to have a clear out now and Friday's fantastic. No, most days, sometimes I don't even feel like I've shifted anything. But I've given space to Jesus to have a look. I've given time for him to speak. I've given myself time to reflect. Just that last slide, Luke. Guide your heart. Above all else, what determines the course of your life. I know for a fact that if I had not guarded my heart, my life would have taken a very different course than what it has done and would continue to take a different course. Because the pains of the journey would have overcome me. The disappointments of the journey would have got too much. The fear of the future would have overwhelmed me. And I would not be where I am now and I wouldn't be heading where I'm going. But I am heading where I'm going, in large part because I made it a habit to guard my heart and learn this stuff. Because it determines the course of my life. And I intend to live a fabulous life and get everything God's got for me out of this life and enjoy every moment that I possibly can. In order to do that, I ought to do this. Guard your heart above all else. I wonder if we're to make an inventory of our lives, what we actually do above all else. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Shall we pray? Father, I just want to thank you for your word, Lord, and the incredible wisdom in your word, Lord. We acknowledge, Lord, that many of our hearts are heavy, Jesus. Heavy with all sorts of things, Father. Weighed down, Lord, by just living and being. But, Father, I thank you that you have given us the tools and the ability and provided everything necessary for us to unburden ourselves on you. Thank you that you have not left us with heavy hearts, Lord. You have not left us in a place where we cannot deal with it and give it over, but you have done everything that's necessary to allow us to unburden ourselves of our hearts. And we want to say thank you first of all for that, Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for wherever everybody in this room and everybody who's watching online is, Lord, on this journey, Lord, and this understanding, whatever stage they're at, further I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, as they give themselves to you, I know that you have already given yourself to them. You have already provided the answers for them. You have already provided the solutions. You've already provided the insight. And Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that as we give time, face-to-face time with you, that the answer is already sat there. The clarity is already sat there. 
the release is already sat there. The understanding is already sat there. And Father, I want to ask, Lord, I pray this, Lord, that faith would arise in our hearts to believe that the answer is already there as we give ourselves to you. Lord, that we might see and know and understand that it is there with you, Lord, as you have proved yourself to me and to so many other people in so many ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Is there anything else, Bob? Okay. Well, just before we go, I'd like to pray for Samantha. She's still in hospital. She's been there three weeks now. She's improving and getting better. And there is a plan to bring her home early this week. But there are still lots of things that need to fall into place for that to happen. Um, she did send me a message actually saying she was loving the worship. and Worshipping in a hospital bed. And sensing the presence of Jesus all around her, bless her. But I just want to pray because it seems she will come home in a wheelchair. Because she can't use her legs at the moment. Um, and frankly, that annoys me. More than you can imagine. I mean, it really, really annoys me. So I want to pray. Can we pray? Because I'm... I don't know about you, but I'm not happy at some of the things I'm seeing in this world. And I know it's a kingdom thing. It's not just me being upset. I know it's Jesus in me who's also really unhappy. And this is just one. There's lots of other things as well. But you know what? Actually, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Because I'm sure as I've taught, there are some things that are weighing on your heart just right now. If there's something weighing on your heart, just let's just give it to Jesus, shall we? Whatever that is. Okay, so just, just picture it right now. Father, we thank you that you have already dealt with it, Lord. But Lord, these things we go through, these things we see, the injustices that we see, Lord, the pain that we see, the difficulty we see, Lord. Lord, it beats us down and wears us down so much, Father. But Lord, I thank you that as we worship, Lord, there was that incredible sense of being in you, Lord, and the peace that you are. But right now, Lord, if there's anything specific on any of our hearts, Lord, we choose to unburden ourselves. We give it to you, Father. We give it to you, Lord. And we thank you that you have already borne the weight of it, so we don't need to, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we feel, Lord, that we have compassion, Lord. We thank you for it. But we just, the weight of it, Lord, the weight of it, we give it to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that despite all the stuff we see, despite all the challenges and all the nonsense and all the mental confusion, we thank you that you are still on the throne and you are still in charge and you are still about doing incredible things, Lord. And Father, we are asking for incredible things in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are asking for greater things than we've seen before, Lord. Whatever's on our hearts, Father, 
I want to see, Lord, if I am going to have to bear the weight of this world, Father, I'm going to see some incredible things in the kingdom of God, Father. And I'm going to see some miracles come forth, and we're going to see some wonderful things. And, Father, we just call them forth in the name of Jesus. We say, Lord, we say, Lord, that there is no darkness that your light cannot penetrate. There is no depth, Father, that you cannot go to. There is nothing that you cannot redeem and restore, Jesus. Just as we heard at the beginning, Father, you are indescribable, Lord. And we speak of your indescribable life, Father. And we speak into all those situations that cause our heart heavy, Father. And we agree together that we are going to see some beautiful things, Father. That things are not just going to get worse and worse, Lord. They're going to go and turn and they're going to come beautiful, Father. And you are going to redeem and renew all things in your time. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. In faith, in advance, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello. I don't know if I should say this. But for probably the last two or three, I'm going to say it anyway. For probably the last two or three years, we've been through a pretty difficult, tough time, as you all know. And I think that we are headed right now towards a time where many of us have to get truthful. I mean, really truthful. Because there's a lot of things that are afflicting us, that have hurt us, that we've allowed. There are many people we've listened to that we should never have listened to. There are many things that have been said that have been lies. And even now, many of us insist on listening to lies and nonsense. And of course, a lot of the heaviness of heart that is about is just people are absolutely in fatigue. Confused, fatigue. Just heavy with everything that has gone on. Can't make sense of it. But of course, in the end, a lot of it is due to the fact that we didn't believe God, we actually believed everyone else but God. And at some point, we will have to say sorry. Not only us, but across the country. In fact, across the whole globe. You see, the the, the problem that we haven't really understood is that the heaviness that we feel is in fact nothing to do with God in terms of you know, his doing something and him destroying everything. It's nothing to do with God. God, everything's beautiful in God. It's all done. It's all finished. It's wonderful. He's going to restore all things. He is going to restore all things and you are going to be part of it. But some have got to say sorry to him because they listened to an awful lot of nonsense and lies and things that came from the enemy and yes it came on the mainstream media and it came in the papers and it came everywhere and people were called conspiracy theorists and all sorts of things but sadly for most everybody we are now finding out that many of those things were actually true really so at some point we're going to have to acknowledge that we may have been wrong and some of those things may have been right Because otherwise, we'll never get free. Honestly, you can't get healed and you can't get free if you're carrying something that's not true. So, I'm just saying 
that as we go into this place and, you know, bring all these things, we have to actually look at it and go, what have I believed, Lord? What did I do? How have I acted? What have I reacted like? What have I said? Where have I been? All those things. Because this time's coming. It's coming everywhere, honestly. There's no getting away from it. Everyone is touched by what's going on. You were looking, right? You? You, can't, you cannot look today and go, this is a peaceful, wonderful world. Because it ain't. There's lots of stuff going on. And it's pretty manic out there. And the most important thing for us is to go, Jesus, I believe you. I believe your word. I'm trusting in you. But I need to know if there's things and there's places and people and and stuff that I've done that has not been right, I need to say sorry to you and acknowledge it. Because otherwise, the heaviness won't leave. And we want it to leave, don't we? We really do. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying and I'm... I'm listening to everything that Adam's saying and I'm, I'm going, yes, yes, of course. But, but we have to be honest now. Everyone has to be honest and go, what have I actually believed? What am I still believing? Who am I believing? Who am I really believing? Because somewhere we've got to get face to face with Jesus again. Huh? Because somehow we lost him. In everything that went on, we lost him. Lost his presence. And I don't, I don't mean his presence inside us because you can't leave, you can't lose his presence inside you. He's in us. He's in us and he's with us. But I just, I just think, you know. So let me just pray. Father, I do ask, Lord, that for all of us, Father, we have been hit left, right and centre, Father, all over the place. The enemy's been playing with our minds, psychologically playing with us, Lord, over many two or three years now, Father. It's probably been playing with us for years and years, but certainly these last years, Lord, have been tough and difficult, and many people are still fatigued after these years, Lord. And there's not one of us, Lord, that knows the truth about everything. There's only you. You are the truth, Lord. But, Father, we've allowed things... We've believed things, we've said things, we've done things. And Lord, sometimes we've done them with you and sometimes we've done them without you. But Lord, right now we come and we ask, Father, that you would just breathe your life deep into us, Lord. We thank you that you are living in us, Lord, but we just ask for that breath of Jesus, deep in us to restore us, Lord. And that as we look, Lord, as we look at our hearts, Lord, that you would speak to us clearly about what we've allowed to be there, what books we've put on the shelves, Lord, what feelings are there, what thoughts have been there, what is there, Father, that needs dealing with. And Lord, we we just ask you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, claw through us. And Lord, all those who are suffering right now, Father, for, for things that have happened in the past, Lord, whatever reason the suffering, Father, for 
any difficulties they have. Father, we're just lifting everybody up right now, Father. We know that you love each, each, each person, Father, and we're asking that you would meet them, Lord, wherever they are, and that you would bring healing and restoration, Father. And that as we say sorry to you and acknowledge, Lord, where we've got it wrong, and we do say sorry, Lord, right now, we say sorry, Lord, not only about our own, my own feelings and thoughts and uh, my behavior, Lord, my actions. I say sorry for it. But, Lord, we say sorry for it together, corporately as well, Lord. And we just ask, Father, that you would touch our families, our friends, those that we know that are suffering, Lord, those that are uh, at work or at school or wherever they might be, Lord, who are suffering, we just ask that you would touch them, Father, in the name of Jesus and bring some healing, Father, into their lives. Some peace, Father. We know there are many people struggling right now up and down the country and up and down the, the globe, Lord, as it were. So we're just asking, Lord, whether it's mental or physical, whatever it is, Father, we're just asking Jesus' name that you would bless them and heal them. And we thank you that you are the restorer of all things the restorer of all things, Lord. That is what we're looking for, the restoration of all things, Father, in us and in all our families and friends everywhere, Father. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.